The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Learn to quiet the noise of the ego and connect to the truth of your soul. Join former monk and host of the Practicing Human podcast, Corey Mascara, for Living in Alignment, a weekend workshop live stream, live from Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, June 28th through 30th. Rebuild your life from a place of embodied listening and quiet knowing. To learn more and register for this live stream, go to eomega.org thrive. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is A to Z Healing Toolbox, tips and tools for navigating grief and trauma. I am your host, Susan Hannafin McNabb, social worker, educator, and author of the five-time award-winning guidebook, A to Z Healing Toolbox, a practical guide for navigating grief and trauma with intention. Together on this podcast, we will discover 26 powerful action-based tools and resources that will counter the negative effects of grief and trauma while assisting us in increased healing of the mind, body, and spirit. In each podcast episode, we will hear from inspirational guest experts in the fields of traumatic loss and bereavement, medical practitioners, mental health therapists, best-selling authors, spiritual leaders, nonprofit founders, and everyday individuals who are learning to live in the light despite profound darkness. Thank you for joining me. A to Z tips and tools are yours to integrate on your personal road to healing. Healing Tool X, Examining Your Positives. The power, the wisdom, the creativity of the universe, you open the door through gratitude by Deepak Chopra. Welcome everyone to the A to Z Healing Toolbox, where we discuss tips and tools for navigating grief and trauma. Today, we are looking at letter X in the Healing Toolbox, which talks about examining the positives in our lives during grief and trauma, which is extremely difficult to do. I will be the first to say that about a year after Brent died, I was still in the depths of sorrow and darkness, and a friend of mine came over for dinner. She has been a mentor of mine for decades, just a lovely, lovely friend and human, and she asked me if I was thinking about keeping a gratitude journal and I almost threw her out of my house because <laughs> at that point, still a year later, I was thinking, 
what in the heck do I have to be grateful for? I just could not see gratitude at all. And I had no clue as to where to even start or even why to start doing that, examining my positives and looking at gratitude. Sometime later, I decided to take my son to Mexico with me so that we could give Brent's clothes to some folks who were living over the border in a very impoverished community. And as soon as we arrived in that neighborhood, I handed out Brent's clothes and teenage boys started playing soccer while wearing Brent's clothes. And Jacob and I helped build the foundation for some small homes by mixing and pouring cement with old buckets. We walked through the narrow streets full of mud and broken vehicles. We interacted with local families who were living in a very, very impoverished way. We even sat in a home owned by one family of four who lived in a single room with dirt floors, a leaky tin roof, no toilet, and walls fashioned from four old nailed together garage doors that are shipped down from landfills in America. And that was the very first time in that year that I actually stopped to examine my own positives as in, okay, my husband is dead, but my son is still alive. I'm still alive. We have enough food to eat. We have a home with beds and running water and carpeted floors and sturdy walls. So after that trip, I started pondering the idea of looking at gratitude more. I connected with the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley, and I learned that there is a ton of science and research behind the neurobiology of gratitude. I was also fortunate to watch the Dalai Lama when he came to speak at the University of San Diego, and I started to internalize his words that happiness is not something ready-made. It comes from our own actions. And I began looking at the research on examining our positives or gratitude. And I realized in my reading that expressing gratitude and taking note of gratitude rewires our brain for positive emotions. It lifts our mood, optimism, and resilience. It counteracts the effects of painful experiences, and it increases our levels of energy, determination, persistence, and focus. Today, I'm so fortunate to bring Robert Pardee to us on the podcast. He is one of those rare individuals who embraces change and lives by a philosophy which he calls possibility in action. Robert was born in New York City, but has also lived in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Rome, and now lives in Abrezzo. He received an MBA from Columbia University and was quickly recruited by one of the world's largest sovereign wealth funds. It was shortly after accepting that position that he and his wife were confronted with an extreme life event that shook the very foundation of all their hopes and dreams. Desiree, his wife, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Unfortunately, she succumbed to metastatic breast cancer 11 years after her diagnosis. And following her death, Robert reassessed his life and decided to share the many lessons he learned by becoming a certified life coach, keynote speaker, and most recently an author. In addition, he is pursuing a childhood dream to live in Italy and now lives in the same small Italian village his great-grandfather immigrated from. 
Robert is the author of Chasing Life, the remarkable true story of love, joy, and achievement against all odds, and recently, a Pimby tale, Adventures into Imagination. Robert is a well-known, compelling keynote speaker. You can learn more about him at robertpardee.com. Robert, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I just said earlier, I could probably talk to you for four hours, but we better record some of this, right? <laughs> I, well, I, I feel the same way. We definitely could speak for like a long, long time, but um, I'm just thrilled to be here. Well, thanks for coming. And um, today we're focusing on healing tool X in the A to Z toolbox, which is examining your positives. And I'm glad that you agreed to come on because every time I see a post of yours, it's always about gratitude. And I know you have quite a story, just like everyone listening has quite a story. And um, I'm wondering if you can start by just sharing a little bit with our listeners about what your story is and how you came to be here sitting across from me on this podcast. Basically, my story is I was married to an amazing woman. That that that's really where we have to start, right? Fantastic start. Uh, fantastic. It just she was a fantastic person. Um, I met her. She was seventeen. I was nineteen. In, you guys knew ways, each other for a long time. We, we did. We grew, we basically grew up together. Um, wow. You know, all, all our dreams and hopes and everything. But anyway, so I meet her. She's fantastic. Um, opens my eyes to a different way of thinking Then you know, built a life. She went to medical school. She wanted to do an MD PhD. I was in finance and I got this amazing job in Abu Dhabi. And she's like, yeah, take it. And after she finished her PhD, she wanted to come out and live with me in Abu Dhabi. It was a two-year contract. I had done one year and we were meeting. Now, this is a funny story, right? Like I took the job to make money and save money. Instead, we met in a different country every six weeks. So you spend so all of your money. We spend all of our money. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, but, you know, we we were married about seven years by that time. Uh, she was 21. I was 23 when we got married. So we did get married young. And so to live in the Middle East or in the United Arab Emirates to get her residency visa, she had to do a screening. And I'm like, well, instead of doing a screening, why don't you just go for a full physical because you haven't had one in a long time. She had found a lump in her breast a year before, but her um, gynecologist said, don't worry about it. You're 29 years old. You don't have a family history. Can't blame anyone because this is the late 90s, right? Sure. So um, that was just standard protocol. Well, anyway, they said, oh, we should take a look at it when she, we were in uh, Dubai and boom, life change. You know, she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And my wife being who she was, um, had very strong beliefs and lived in a very determined way. And she basically said, Robert, listen, I know enough to be dangerous to myself. Can you deal with everything for me. She didn't want to know the number of lymph nodes, the size of the tumor, anything. And so for the next 11 years, basically I was her caregiver and a surrogate to a certain extent because I had to live the disease as well. She was very clear of how she wanted to manage the disease, what aggressive meant to her, what quality of life meant to her. We had amazing conversations. And in fact, you know, I, I truly believe that an illness journey is a call to action. 
And it's a call to get rid of all the unnecessary. Yes. I mean, wow. All of a sudden you realize all the stupid things you've been focusing on. And um, that allowed us to just, you know, grow so close together, really. Um, I mean, the, the level of intimacy, non-physical, because unfortunately, as she became more and more ill, um, it was more difficult to have physical intimacy. I mean, holding hands and kissing, of course, but, um, but mentally we were just, wow, it was just amazing. And so I became her full-time caregiver. I played um, defense between her and the doctors. And then at the 11 year mark, basically she wound up going into the hospital and she always rallied, but this time she also had to know by that point what was going on. I mean, she was so thin. There were just so many different things. And she just said to me, she said, Robert, I'm tired. And I said, okay, baby, rest. And the thing is, while she had metastatic breast cancer, she became the founding director of palliative care at New York Hospital. And so I learned a lot about palliative care. I learned a lot about patient choice, uh, so many different things. And I knew she was signaling to me to transition care. And that was the last conversation we had. Those were the last words we said to each other. And she passed away soon after that, which for me, part of the loss was not necessarily losing her as much as it was losing purpose. And I was like, wait, I was the caregiver. I was the husband. I was you know, I wanted to be Superman. I wasn't Superman. I wanted to be God. I wasn't God, but you know, I did everything to get as close as I could to those things. And um, so I was just totally thrown off kilter trying to figure out, well, what do I do now? But I grew up in a situation where I had to learn a lot about grit and resilience. And I had an amazing grandmother, my paternal grandmother, um, that just really she lost her husband before I was even born. So I never knew him. Strange Italian families, right? I knew him as grandpa in heaven. Like I didn't even know the guy's name. Oh, uh, interesting. Which is, which is really crazy until I tried to get Italian citizenship. And I'm like, oh, his name was Antonio. <laughs> you know, like, okay. <laughs> you know um, so, you know, all these crazy things. But I watched her live life. I watched Desiree live life. And so those were my points of inspiration, the, the people I admired on how they dealt with this. And so I took all those tools and, and rebuilt my life, which is how I'm in front of you now, because I was, you know, an investment banker. And after Desiree passed away, you know, I went back to, to finance because I had a lot of debt. And it's not necessarily because of the healthcare system, though, you know, she was taking like so many supplements. And back then it was very hard to get the supplements and stuff like that. So I just looked at my life one day in finance and I'm like, this is not what I want. I just left it all, moved to Italy. I didn't speak the language. I didn't know anyone. I was teaching English for $8 an hour because, you know, I had to make money and decided to go to become a life coach, partly to understand myself. But one of the things I really understood during Desiree's journey or our journey together was all that experience has absolutely no value if it's not shared. 
And that just, boy, that created so much purpose in what we went through. And, and I say all the time, I'm beautifully scarred for having loved and cared for my wife. And so when I tap into that and I'm able to share that with people, that's a blessing. I mean, it's, a, it's just, it's such a beautiful thing to connect to, which I think is where a lot of the positivity comes from because I realize the gifts that we're given even when it doesn't look like it's a gift, right? Like a diamond doesn't look like a diamond when you find it. It's a big, ugly black rock. <laughs> you you got to break it apart and you got to chip away at it and you got to polish it. And um, then there it is. That's right? a beautiful analogy. You know, and I just want to piggyback on something you said that you you were tapping into pieces of positivity and Desiree. So do you think that you looked at what Desiree taught you and what your grandmother taught you to gather resilience to then be a positive person and really examine your positives in the wake of, oh my gosh, what do I do now with my life? Or did, was that something that you had already? Or where did, where did you tap into in order to become this person that inspires so many others to be grateful? That, that's a great question. So I think by nature, I'm a positive person. And I think part of the way I dealt with a difficult situation when, when I was a child, and I'll be perfectly honest, my, my dad was, was an abusive alcoholic. And so part of what I learned was humor and levity in those situations. And I'm a big Harry Potter fan. In the in the book, there's a spell called Ridiculous. I and love that spell. Th well, what is that spell? That spell is using humor to dispel fear. Yes. Right? That, I, it, if, if you look at some of the things in, in those books, they're sort of self-help books. But that was always part of me. I think what I was able to do um, in terms of tapping into gratitude was the resilience and the grit I had already built. There's something that I realized during the journey with Desiree. And it was a conversation that both of us had. It was to look at who we were and really ask ourselves, are we happy with who we are? Now, here's the big, big question, right? Are you happy with who you are? Because if you're happy with who you are, you have to be thankful for everything that brought you to who you are, even the horrible stuff. If you're not happy with who you are, then the work is to accept what's out of your control and change what you can to become the person you want to be. The question you asked is, yes, I do tend to fall on the positive side but I think that tapping into pos um, positivity is open to all of us once we shift our perspective and realize that we have the ability to make lemons out of lemonade, basically, right? Yes, I love that analogy as well. 
the lemonade, right? Oh gosh. So <laughs> now for people who are really early in their grief journey, they may not even know how to answer that question. You know, am I happy with myself? Because they're so miserable with the situation. So do you have any hints or tips for people or, or tools, like something practical or ideas of some kind that people can use to kind of get more resilient or be more grateful? Because there is so much psychology and research about the power and the neurobiology of gratitude, right? Expressing it. But if people are so in the dark and they're thinking, there's no way I, I feel grateful for anything. That's how I felt initially. What can they do? I mean, do you have some examples of things that they can start to move toward or think about? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Sure. And you know, one of the things, of course, you know, I'm talking years out from the event, right? Everybody grieves and goes through a lost journey differently, 100%, right? So one of those things about all of these books is we can get lost in, in reading all of these books. At the end of the day, it, it really is all about action. Um, you know, not, there's not one philosopher that said, spend your life reading everything. Uh, you know, we can go back to the, the, you know, Aristotle. They all said, read this and put it into action. You know, make it your own, right? When, when you're in that really dark place, and for me, I'm a big acronym person, and I just want to throw this out there. You know, loss to me is the lack of self and security. You know, you, the world is no longer safe because there's this loss, and you don't know who you are anymore because the image, the expectations you had for your life have vanished. Yes. And so what do you do in, in, in that circumstance? And while a lot of the things that I've done with, with clients or the things that I can recommend are difficult, really first the question is, you know, is this where you want to stay? And I always joke with people, there's that Psalm, you know, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The key word is walk. It doesn't say set up a tent, roast some marshmallows and hang out. It's, it, it says to walk through. And so there's, so there's so many different things, but if you wanna tap into gratitude and when you're in that really dark place, the hardest thing to do is to say, I'm grateful for, but if you're not saying I'm grateful for, what are you saying to yourself? You're saying that nothing has meaning, that you will never be happy again. Are those real truths? They feel very real, but the big transition point in that is if you say, if you allow yourself to dream, 
if you allow yourself to think about what could be, which definitely feels uncomfortable at the beginning. But, you know, I am grateful for the rainbow today. I am grateful for X, Y, and Z. I am grateful for having had someone in my life. I am grateful to have, to have had the ability to share. And now here comes the big point. Loss is a measure of the value you gave to what is no longer there. And what I'd like to ask people to say is, can you say, I am grateful for this feeling I have of loss because it means I really cared. That hurts. Wow, does that really hurt? But I tell you, if you, if you realize that the loss is not, be, the pain is not being done to you, it's a reflection of all that you were already given, you can start to shift the dynamic of being the victim of what happened and realizing how blessed you were to have had something. And that leads to a different discussion, which is a little more difficult, right? And it's so hard for all of us to hear. We're not meant to survive life. It's just the truth, right? And we all want it in our time. <laughs> you know of course um, now yeah uh, would it have been better if if desiree and i you know died together and you know at 95 years old in the bed together at the yes same time? of course robert that would, that would have been perfect but i sit here and i think wow i'm happy she doesn't have to rebuild if if i'm really looking at this all that love i had for her wow, that sucky period after she passed away, I'm glad she didn't have to experience that and I was the one to go. Um, that's another way to look at what you could possibly be grateful for. Because real gratitude is tied to the emotion that the thing gives you, not the item itself. Like, you know, I, I, I love to, I'm so grateful to be able to look at the valley that I look at and, and, you know, drink the cup of coffee in the morning because of the experience, the emotion that I feel, it's not necessarily because it's so beautiful. And so as people move through that valley, right, they start to have those moments of maybe a bit of laughter or a bit of this, you know, the good emotions. Focus on those and ask yourself, what, where did that come from? Be grateful for what brought that emotion. And that starts to unknot everything. Beautifully said. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the theory of post-traumatic growth because you're in that phase of post-traumatic growth. And one of the pillars of post-traumatic growth is appreciation. That folks who've gone through a significant experience, trauma, grief, profound loss, have a greater appreciation much of the time as, as time goes on for the simple things, as you mentioned, looking at the valley with your cup of coffee because of the feeling it brings to you. And so I always say to people, okay, 
If you haven't heard about the theory of post-traumatic growth, go check it out because there's a lot of hope there and positivity that we can move toward a place that is better, that where we feel better and more loving and loved. That is that is so important because you know when when you first suffered a loss, right? You know, e even the idea of being able to grow, you know, you sort of want to <laughs> say every curse word imaginable. Like, yeah, that's not what I, I want because that's not what I was supposed to have. Exactly. Which, and, and that's where you have to start to let go of expectations, right? And you have to understand, well, what could life be? But one of the things that I, I realized with Desiree, and, and it was so important, um, is that joy exists all the time. Even, even in adversity, there, there is joy. Even in, in loss and pain, there is always joy if you can open yourself up to it. Happiness is a complete different thing, right? You can think of happiness is sand falling through your fingers, but the sensation of the sand between your fingers is joy. And so we were very conscious while she was alive to allow ourselves to be open to, you know, the smell of flowers or, you know, corny nap. We, we called them happy napkins, but we would buy these cocktail napkins with stupid little phrases on them. And that's what we used for dinner. And so part of, I think, the, the journey towards gratitude and and finding joy in life again is to start to open yourself up to the simpler things and really i mean I, this is something i say all the time we only live an extraordinary life when we value the ordinary moments and so I would ask somebody that's listening to this today, what's one ordinary moment that happened that you're, you're happy for today? You know, was it a bird outside? I, I have become like, you know, one of these people that just wants to go live in nature and, you know, sit, sit all day in a, in a field somewhere. But I, I love to hear, hear the birds, right? And so don't look for the big thing. Because a lot of times we're looking for a big thing that replaces the big thing that's no longer there. Yes. Start to, start to fill up the cup with little things. I love that. And when you say fill up the cup, I actually have a literal cup or jar at my house. It's called our gratitude jar. And it's just an old Costco size mayonnaise or peanut butter jar <laughs> that has been cleaned out, right? And we started this nine years ago when Brent died. Well, sorry, it took me a year to wrap my brain around gratitude. So eight years, uh, eight years, we've had this gratitude jar and we have little sticky notes. They're small. You can only write one thing, one thing per note. What was something that was good today? Was it the sunshine? Was it I actually got out of bed and brushed my teeth? I mean, simple, small, ordinary things, right? And then 
after that with my son i started a memory jar which is a jar full of positive memories i don't know if you've heard of this before but this no. is a great tool again it's just an empty jar every time my son goes to summer camp and has a bracelet he puts it into the memory jar that is a positive memory that he had that summer if we go to a movie theater if we go to a concert if we go for you know, a walk and we pick up a cool rock. Whatever the simple thing is that we've done, we put that item that symbolizes the small positive thing into a memory jar. That accumulates all year long. And what we do, our little tradition is on December 31st, we dump the entire memory jar out onto the table and we look at all the positive memories that we've created. They're new memories, right? Dad's not here. Right. physically anymore, but they're new positive memories that we can actually hold. It's the bracelet from camp. It's the rock from that lake. It's the little ticket from the movie theater. So those are other actionable steps because you've talked about, you know, walking through the valley. Well, you're walking, we're, we're walking, we're moving, we're putting action to it. And those are just some simple ways that we've done it here. That's just beautiful. That's the, the first time I've heard of that. And I absolutely love it. You can use that, Robert. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, there are just so many ways, I think, to to start with the gratitude or with examining the positives. And it only happened for me when I started doing research on the positivity, the psychobiology and the positive neural networks that happen and are formed when we not only think about being grateful, but we express it, as you said, you know, we have to express yes. the gratitude, we can't just lock it in, you've got to write about it, talk about it, even something I do now, way more now than before Brent died is if I'm feeling grateful for a person, I will get on my phone and I will text them a message. I just want to let you know, I'm thinking about you. I'm so grateful you're in my life. Period. Yes. Just that expression, right? That's so difficult for so many people, right? Because you're allowing yourself also to be vulnerable, right? You, you, you're sitting there. And I think that's one of the things, you know, when you're talking about positivity, it's, it's not easy losing somebody you love at all. I mean, you know, if Desiree was to return today, I'd do whatever I could to, to have her back in my life. But I know that, that can happen. The thing is that I look at, all the things I learned as well because of this. And like you saying, you know, you reach out and you tell somebody that, you know, you're grateful for them in your life. I learned that, oh my God, all that, all that armor that I had been wearing my whole life to protect me from stuff. You know what, at the end, it didn't do anything anyway. <laughs> so why am I holding all of this in front of me and not really feeling life. And I think part of what loss teaches us is, you know what, it, it happens anyway. Why not be all in and live the life that we have? And that's one of the things I think in terms of positivity, I say it all the time, you know, these, these types of things, they are wake-up calls to focus on what's real and stop all kinds of 
behaviors like comparison and all these other things, you know, life is, life is beautiful because we're meant to live it. And all the other things, they happen. It's just, it's part of the, the construct of life. Um, I know when Desiree was in the hospital, I had learned a lot about medicine and I know she was, um, she had a blockage and that's what was causing all the problems. And there was an injection that we used to have in the house that would make someone go to the, have a bowel movement. And I had it with me in the hospital and I was thinking to myself, I could give her this shot. But I also realized one, she could have perforated, which would have been a complete disaster. But the second was, at that point, I was probably extending death, or we would have been extending death. And would it have been the quality of life that she wanted? Now, I, I'm, let's say, blessed in a way because I was able to, in a way, prepare for her passing, right? Like I saw it coming, though. I tell you the truth, it was a complete surprise when she did pass away because every other time she was in the hospital, she she rallied and she came home. And that night I had to go home alone. I couldn't believe it. So I don't know personally what the feeling is to have lost someone spontaneously. But regardless of, of how it happened, there's something that we can bring forward for us to, to grow that post-traumatic growth. And it's not that necessarily you have to give back to the community or whatever the case is, whether you're, you're helping someone that's had the same situation or you're just being an example to people around you of someone moving forward. One of the questions I ask myself all the time and I asked myself after Desiree passed away and I was all lost with my purpose and where do I belong? As I said, well, what is the story I want to look back on? Who am I in that story? And am I someone that didn't harness all the love I had for the person I loved to create an amazing life? Or am I going to be someone that, in a way, let that wither because I was in pain? And I think it's, it's more beautiful to take all of that that we feel for the person we lost and thrive, bloom, basically, right? Because that, they're part of us. That's the, the most beautiful thing in all of this that I learned. I say it all the time. Our life is a mosaic. And I'm lucky to, to live in Italy, right? So I see beautiful ancient mosaics. If you really look at the ancient mosaic, each piece was cut by hand. They're all imperfect, but it's the imperfections that create the depth and beauty of the mosaic. And so Desiree is a big, beautiful gemstone in my mosaic and will always be that. And so now how do I complement that to make that mosaic outstanding? And as you say, why not be all in? I love that. I'm writing that down and that's going to be one of my new mantras. I love that. Why not be all in? And it's hard, right? It's hard at first, but we're still here. We're still breathing. Just talking with you and having this conversation, 
it's really making me realize you're doing exactly what your book title is called. You're chasing life. You're, you're oh, wow. chasing life. You're chasing a beautiful life. So can you say a little bit about your book? I mean, you exemplify chasing a beautiful life, but your book title is also chasing life. Thanks for bringing that up. And um, part of the question in the title, right? Chasing life is really what is life? And so many people had said to me after Desiree passed away, oh, you know, it's so sad she, she died so young. And I'm like, you know what? Or they, they would say um, she had a short life. And I'd say she had an accelerated, joyful life, a fulfilling life. And so life to me and to us was it should be measured by joy not by the number of years. I know a lot of 85 year old people in my family <laughs> that are not happy and have never been happy. Chasing life is really all about being all in, being open to possibility and experience. You know, I just recently learned that the root of experience comes from, now I'm not gonna remember this correctly, but X and I'm going to say the Italian word, which is pericolo, but I don't remember the Latin word. And basically, it could be translated as um, grasping from danger. And if you think about it, we allow fear to stop us from living, foreboding joy. Um, Brene Brown talks about it, right? And so we don't experience life because we're not grasping it from danger which means taking it from fear and jumping right. all in. So that's what chasing life is all about. The, the book is, is our love story, but it's an example of how we just made the adversity a small little piece of the equation. It was there. It had to be dealt with. Um, but that's not where we wanted to focus our energy. We didn't want that to be a black hole. It was, it was there. We dealt with it. You know, I say a story all the time. Um, my wife loved lilacs and we would go to the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens during the spring and she would smell the lilacs. And one year she like, she stuck, she's such a crazy girl. She stuck her head like in the bush <laughs> and, her, and her wig, her wig got caught and it was all tangled and she, she's bald and people looking at, and we were just la like tears rolling we were laughing so hard. Other people laughed with us. There was no, you know, that sad look of, oh, she has cancer. She's so young. We were all laughing because the wig was in there. And that's chasing life, not being embarrassed or not, oh my God, you know, I can't be like a normal person. It's, no, this, this is life. In whatever shade it's come for me, this is life. I'm going to live it. I'm going to stick my head in the lilac bush. Lilac bush. I'm going I to love Desiree. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you would have. She was, she was incredible. She was incredible. And so when I, wrote, when I wrote the book, I basically wanted to write a story of a woman that was dying of cancer, but yet when you turned the pages, all you were reading was how she was living. And that that's what it is. Beautiful. 
Well, for those folks listening who want to chase life a bit more and be all in, and they want to connect with you, can you tell them how they can do that? We just have a couple more minutes. So I want to make sure that you are able to talk about how people can find you and your website. And I know you have an, a second book out as well. So tell us about that. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, lots of stuff. Okay. All so the things first, with Robert Party. To contact me, the best thing is to go to my website, which is robertparty.com. And they can read a little bit about me. Um, they could also go to chasinglifethebook.com if they want to learn a little bit about Desiree. I'm always on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. I'm not such a big fan of, <laughs> I have to say um, personally. Um, and as for the new book, A Pimby Tale, it's, it's basically a book that was written, one, to um, honor my inner child. Uh, it, it, it is penned in the hand of my eight-year-old self. And it's, um, it's a story that if Desiree and I would have had children, I would love to share with my children because it's a child that's about to turn nine years old and is visited by a magical creature that teaches the child some important life lessons. And a pimby, the word pimby is this magical creature is a mixture of possibility imagination, magic, believing, and you, because we're not any separate from the magic or the imagination or any of it. We're all part of it. And we just have to remember that. That's beautiful. So if someone wanted to find both of your books, can they go to robertpardee.com and find them both? Um, Amazon, or okay. they could go, or they, it, it's, it's actually, they could go to my website, there would be links, or they could just go to the individual websites, which is chasinglifethebook.com or a pimbytail.com. Perfect. And if someone is interested in coaching, I know you do that all the time. So how can they get a hold of you for that? Robertparty.com. Um, there's a contact form. A to Z Perfect. healing toolbox offers professional trainings, live and virtual workshops, podcast interviews, healing guidebooks, speaking engagements at conferences nationwide, small group virtual support, and solo sessions individually tailored to meet your unique needs. Books can be found on the A to Z Healing Toolbox website, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, and your local bookstore. If you would like to connect with Susan and join a small group for virtual support or schedule a solo session, please contact Susan at a to z healingtoolbox.com. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Do you have an online course or an event or a book you'd like to promote? We've got the right audience for you. 
Our listeners love content like the show you just heard. You can reach our engaged audiences by advertising right here on mindbodyspirit.fm, the podcast network, in shows about wellness, self-care, spirituality, angels, and more. Contact info at mindbodyspirit.fm.